CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's your money and your life with Don Cash and myself talking investing, finance, and retirement. Don Cash is a CPA and a CFP at Donald W. Cash and Associates. We got a good show coming at you this week. We're going to talk about some geopolitical risk, lots of stuff going on in the world. Don is, you know, we talked just two weeks ago, and it seems like every two weeks things get, uh, you know, kookier and kookier out there. Uh, there's obviously the Ukraine thing. There's continuing conversations about oil. Will we do anything? Will we stop this, that, and the other? Uh, so it just seems like we move away, you know, more and more mass mandates are being removed, but then we get into this whole. Uh, global, you know, worry about conflict and things of that nature. So, A, what's going on? And B, what do you think? It's amazing how things can change in a couple of weeks since we spoke, right, Mark? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, you know, it, it's like that that old movie uh, promotion for Jaws 2, right? The tagline <laughs> was, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Exactly. Uh, this is what happens. It, it, it's funny. It also reminds me of, you remember that old Saturday Night Live skit? It was from the 1970s. It was with uh, comedian Gilda Radner. Mm-hmm. She was playing the role of... Uh, Roseanne, Rosanna oh, yeah. Dana. Yeah, Roseanne, right? Rosanna Dan, yeah. Yep, she was a consumer affairs reporter for the, the of course, the fake uh, news show called Weekend Update, and she would riff on current events and things like that, always finishing by saying, this is her tagline, just like my mother used to tell me, it's always something. Right. <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's another. She did it with this like, great Spanish accent. Oh, yeah. But no, it, she was it's, a, it's much like uh, you know the current events that we face today, right? Yeah. No, she was fantastic. The, the original Weekend Update, uh, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. That's how he would right. sign off, things like that. So, yeah, it was good stuff. And, yeah, so if it's not COVID, it's Ukraine. If it's not that, it's inflation or a trucker's convoy or you know, high gas prices. I filled up my truck today, Don, and for the first time, uh, I hit triple digits. Cost me a hundred bucks. Oh, ouch! Yeah, to fill up my my pickup, and it's not like I have a monster truck by any means. It's just where it's at, right? So, I guess that's you know, it's part of what we try to do and talk about and and converse on the podcast and what you do in your practice is to bring hopefully some perspective and make some sense of all the things that we uh, have to deal with. Yeah, and that's a good point. And a perspective is the key. And we'll get into these issues today, especially with what's going on in Europe. But I have to say, of course, I can't do all this alone. I was mentioning to you off air that this week I'm heading to my very first live conference in two years. Yeah. Right. So, you know, all of the advisors will meet uh, together in person down in Orlando, Florida. So it's a good opportunity to collaborate with uh, other top minds and you know, share information that can help all of us. That's awesome. I'm glad you're being able to get back and do some of those things, that continuing education. So uh, hopefully that'll go well for you. So let's get into what has happened over the past couple of weeks since we last talked and see what we can do about it. Yeah, of course, we, we need to remember what's happening, of course, in, in Ukraine. It's really not something new. It's been it's really simmering since the fall of the Soviet Union, Mark, in 1991. And really for much longer than that. I mean, conflicts between 
Russia and Ukraine have flared up, you know, more recently, of course, since the mid-1990s and especially now in the Vladimir Putin era. Yeah, and obviously not making, you know, short of, of the fact that the shelling and things of that nature, I mean, they haven't experienced that kind of thing in 80 years, right, since yeah. World War II. But yes, the turmoil or the contention, I suppose, uh, has definitely been brewing for a while. Ukraine is is uh, pretty unique, too, as a former satellite country to the Soviet Union. Um, it's surrounded by seven countries, including Russia, I believe. See, I think it's Poland, uh, Hungary, Belarus, Moldova, I believe, Romania, Slovakia. And uh, one of the main issues seems to be that two of these countries belong to NATO, Poland and Hungary, which gives them that military protection. And Ukraine was wanting to join NATO as well. Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm like you. By the way, I, I have to bone up on these countries. Moldova, I never heard of yeah. until about two or three years ago. Yeah, exactly. I'm I like, had to double check some of that. Yeah, Moldova. Where is that? But it's it borders uh, Ukraine. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's exactly right. In, in fact, it's interesting. the The name Ukraine actually means borderlands. Oh, well, there you go. Because it borders so many uh, of these countries. And like I said before, this conflict, you know, it really does go way back, although the nature of it has certainly escalated, like you mentioned, with the um, missiles and the shelling and the tanks. Uh, but NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization that was formed in 1949 after World War II, and it was designed to protect Europe from the Soviet Union, right? <laughs> right. <It was laughs> Soviet Union uh, uh, started in uh, 1922, formally. 1917 was the, their war. And of course, the United States is also part of NATO. Uh, but then and now, Russia has always viewed NATO as a threat to them. And Putin believes that since many Ukrainians are actually Russian, and of course, they're a, a country rich in natural resources, oil and other resources, as well as a country between Russia and several NATO countries like the ones you mentioned, they need to come back into the fold of Russia. Yeah, and, and under Putin, you know, Russia did invade the Ukraine in 2014 uh, to annex the Crimea. So for folks who might not remember that as well, uh, and there's and in Georgia, so and I think in 2008. So this type of action, again, is not new, and neither is geopolitical risk over the past 100 years or so. So let's talk about that issue, Don. There are so many different types of risks that we face as investors and planning for retirement and, and uh, pre-retirees. You know, and over the last several years, yes, we've had COVID and things of that nature, but you know, the market has been, you know, pretty darn good, especially the last 19, 20, and 21. So when you start to factor in what's happening to kick off 22 and then this geopolitical risk, how does that all factor in and, and what's some things to ponder? Yeah, that's a good question. And the fact is, like it or not, Mark, we, we can't completely avoid risk. Sure. Right? We can manage it to some extent, but it can't be avoided. And the type of risk that people often think of, when it comes to investments at least, are uh, interest rate risk, right? The risk of interest rates going up and how it affects your life and and stocks and, of course, market risk, stock market gyrations, uh, inflation risk, which is something we haven't really thought too much about. Uh, before the past, yeah. I guess, year, right? You're thinking about it now, that's for sure. We are indeed, especially after you know laying out a hundred bucks to fill up your right. the, the tank of your truck. Uh, so inflation risk is something that we've dealt with over the years, but it's kind of popped up over the past year. Uh, currency risk, like the value of the dollar against other currencies. There, there are company risks, like what's the the risk of an individual company going out of business, and something called liquidity risk, which is really what people are facing in Russia right now, trying to 
get their money out right. of that country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So over the past two years, though, a new type of risk emerged that we're all familiar with in the world. It's, it's really health risk uh, via COVID and, and the risk that a virus could infect the world and lead to a worldwide economic catastrophe. I mean, that's something that even uh, 100 years ago in the Spanish flu and um, 50 years ago with the Hong Kong flu, you know, people really didn't give much consideration to. Uh, but the worldwide political risk impacts all of these risks. And that's, as you mentioned, nothing new. It's just that each time something happens uh, that's a little bit different, it just feels like this is the one big thing that's going to just kind of end our life and our lifestyle as we know it. Yeah, and that's a good point about like 100 years ago with the Spanish flu because we didn't have a global economy, you know, like we do now and so on and so forth. And yeah, even with the market, we've been saying, you and I, Don, have said numerous times on the podcast that it's like a Rocky movie, right? The, the market takes a little bit of a beating, it gets back up again. And so people are always wondering when's going to be the thing that kind of brings it down. And maybe from a geopolitical risk standpoint, maybe this is it. We'll see. And I had to look this up, the definition, while we were talking here. So it states, geopolitical risk is the risk associated with wars, terrorist acts, and tensions between states that affect the normal and peaceful course of international relations. So, I mean, I can definitely see that we have faced this type of thing before. So I guess the question becomes is, how is it different and how worried should we be currently and what to do about it, if anything? So, yeah, tough questions for sure. And since a lot of these issues, particularly with Russia, have started since World War II, let's take a look at the geopolitical events that we faced over those years and try to put this in some kind of perspective. So we mentioned 1949. That was the year that NATO started. And it was also the year the first Soviet atomic bomb was detonated in Kazakhstan. So that freaked a lot of people out and really started the Cold War in earnest. Uh, And the year after that, by the way, Stalin gave North Korea permission to invade South Korea along with the help from China. So the result, of course, was the Korean War, and we lost 30,000 soldiers in that war Mm -hmm. in that couple-of-year period of time. And don't forget, of course, in 1962, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis, that lasted uh, only about a month in October of that year. It was a scary month, though. Yeah, absolutely. And the U.S. set up missiles in Italy and Turkey, and the USSR set them up in Cuba aimed at Florida. And this was a real shock to people at that time. It was truly a potential uh, existential crisis. Now, and people forget how close we came to that dramatic conflict with the Soviet Union. There's been obviously movies and stuff made about it since then, but uh, that was before many people, you know, were born. Now, a lot of re- our listening audience probably does remember that. Of course, uh, it was the stand down or the standoff, I should say, I guess, between JFK and Khrushchev and Castro. And just look how long Castro lingered on as a dictator. But we got through it, and the Cold War lasted another 30 years. But I mean. The Korean thing, you mentioned that, right? So obviously North Korea, I think just the other day prior to this podcast taping, uh, had you know launched some sort of a missile, some sort of a test missile, which has the South Koreans wearing. So it's always something. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, sometimes you mentioned these things kind of linger on. Castro didn't die until five years ago. So. I know, wow. I mean, this was uh, 60 years ago or so that this occurred. Mm-hmm. So, But we got through that, right? As mm-hmm. you mentioned, the Cold War lasted another 30 years. But interestingly, in 1962, 
Uh, the stock market dropped about 22% in that year and did recover after the crisis ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a drop of about 10% uh, in the stock market is about where we are right now. And that's what they call a correction, right? Right. A market drop of 10%. But many people don't realize we've had 26 corrections since World War II, right? So it's like usually one correction every, I guess, a year or two or three. Uh, and by the way, do you know how long it takes for a stock market to recover after a drop of about 10%? Uh, traditionally, I think something like four months. It, you're right on the money. 111 days, so 111, easy to remember. Yeah, okay. So that's not very long, right? Right. Um, and it's pretty quick, actually, when you think about it, a correction of 10%. So be, to be sure, I'm not, really, I'm not minimizing the situation we're in now. Uh, it's certainly a humanitarian disaster. I mean, just look what it has occurred recently in Afghanistan and Syria and in Africa just this year and over the past several years. It's heartbreaking. And when these things occur um, that affect Western countries like Europe and the United States, it's a reminder really that it's a hard fact to, to swallow, but the world operates on power and oil and money and weapons yeah and that hasn't changed and that's definitely for sure so we've been living under i don't know i don't know if it's a delusion but you know just compared to americans definitely sometimes we tend to get a little uh tunnel vision i suppose compared to what other people face in other parts of the world so you know we stopped at the cuban missile crisis but we've had other conflicts since then and and people are you know people who've lived through it now i was just born in the early, I was born in 71, so I don't remember necessarily the gas wars, but I know, you know, my mom clearly remembers it very well, and people are kind of feeling like we're hitting there or we're getting there. These gas prices certainly have people just kind of feeling like that. Yeah, and that brings us, you know, post uh, Cuban Missile Crisis going into the 60s. We had lots of crises in the 60s, of course, the JFK assassination, yep. the Vietnam War, and, you know, conflicts. Uh, in the streets with with riots and turmoils and in the early 1970s in 1973 we had the uh israel and arab war and that was really the first oil price shock mark in 1973 at that point the price of gas shot up to over a dollar a gallon right, right? just think right? about that yeah right? and everybody's and the, panicking uh, yeah yeah, a dollar a gallon, which is a big deal back then. Sure. Right today, right now, I mean, down the street from me, it's the first time I've seen that gasoline's over four dollars per gallon. I'll tell so. you, Don. I I paid four oh nine myself today. As I said, I finished up, or filled up the truck. I was just talking with another advisor earlier today, who's in the Chicago area, and it's like five, almost six because of oh, different boy. taxes in Cook County. So there you go. Yeah, so this is like, by the way, it's something that people in California have been used to over the past well, that's uh, 20, 20, 30 years, but we haven't seen it here in most parts of the country. But in 1973 and 74, um, we had that crisis related around the, um, the Arab-Israel war. In those years, the stock market went down over 45% in those two years. But keep in mind that uh, small U.S. companies and international companies went up over 63% the following year. And that's a lesson right there in the value of diversification. That's a good point. You know, the 70s are a period most remembered as a time of those rising energy prices, inflation, 
And the political natures, Watergate, you know, scandal. God, there's been stuff that goes on all the time to Roseanne, the Rosanna Dan's point, right? <laughs> the yep. first time uh, the U.S. president resigned from office. I mean, it's always something. Yeah, I and mean, it was a wild time politically. We can go on and on. Uh, and later that decade in the 70s, we saw another gas crisis in the late 70s. Back then, I'm not sure if you remember this. You probably don't because you were too young. They had odd and even license plate days. Did you ever hear of that? I don't remember that, no. So you you could only go to the gas station on the dates that the end of your license plate fell in either an odd or an even number. Okay. okay? All right. Yeah. So if, you're into, if your license plate ended in two, that was Monday. Like a lottery three, system. That, yeah. yeah, that was Tuesday, et cetera. So we saw a lot of lines in, at the gas stations back then. In 1979, we had the hostage crisis in Iran. Um, more energy spikes, higher inflation, interest rate spikes. We did a show on that recently where 1981 was the absolute peak in interest rates and really the start of what I call, Mark, four megatrends. Maybe we could talk about this on another show. But sure. Here are the four megatrends. One is the rise of China. That really started around 1979, 1980. Two is the start of the European Union and the move toward a single currency. Started that time with the, the Reagan and Margaret Thatcher revolution. Three is really globalization, right? International trade. Mm -hmm. Before that time, a lot of the production and the activity was strictly domestic. Um, and four is the rise of political Islam with the Iranian Revolution in 1979 and the Taliban in Afghanistan. And in fact, in 1979, the, uh, the USSR, Russia, as we know now, invaded Afghanistan, and that resulted in a war that lasted 10 years. Uh, the Soviet Union actually lost that war, and it was one of the starting points in the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. Wow, that is really interesting, and it's definitely always something happening. And you know, related to that point, Don, it's like uh, likely the biggest geopolitical event of the 21st century, really, uh, at least for us anyway. The terrorist attacks of 9/11. So just in the past 20 years, we've seen our wars in the Middle East, Africa, Asia, I think we get a little desensitized. I think that's why the Ukraine thing is kind of also hitting people here a little bit because we're so used to seeing that uh, in that part of the world versus where we're seeing it right now. So this is all a very good way to kind of put these events in some historical perspective. But of course, on top of, you know, the kind of most important thing to consider is obviously the humanitarian crisis. You mentioned that a little bit with some of those things uh, in the Ukraine, but let's touch you know, maybe perhaps on what we might see in the near future. I'm not call, talking predictions or anything like that, but just maybe what actions to ponder or think about or even avoid. Yeah, I mean, of course, right now what we're seeing, uh, as you mentioned, is, is high gas prices, high right. oil prices in general, high energy prices. And that's going right? to craze everything to go up even more because of transportation. Exactly. It has a ripple effect through the economy. And the, the world is consuming more oil post COVID, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and the Russian production is being sanctioned. So uh, that has a, a, a huge effect right there. Here's a question for you, Mark. How many barrels of oil per day do you think is consumed in the world? So I, I, all disclosure, I kind of know some of this stuff because I was just having a chat about it the other day. It's right around about 100 million barrels that, per day. 100 million Crazy barrels. Crazy number. Great! Think about that. That's a, a stack. Hundred yeah. million barrels a, a day. day. I mean, just 
It's a staggering amount of oil. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, there are 42 gallons of oil in a barrel, right? right? Yeah. So that's over 4 billion gallons of oil a day consumed. And you probably pumped, I don't know, like what, uh, 30 gallons, 40 gallons in your tank? 26, today? yeah. Yep. So you know the price of oil today is over $120 per barrel. Uh, Russia produces about 11 million barrels a day. The U.S. here uh, is about 16 million or so. Uh, and Russia produces also a lot of natural gas for Europe, which mm-hmm. is a big concern for Europe. So we're likely stuck in with high prices, at least for the short term. But keep in mind that the price of oil is very, very volatile. Uh, in 2008, it went from over $135 a barrel to $40 a barrel just a few months later. Yeah, as I just mentioned, I was looking up some stuff for a chat earlier this week, and uh, in March or April of 2020, uh, it was around $30 a barrel because we weren't going anywhere. Yep. Uh, and and just the other day, like you said, it's like 120 right? So that's like almost a, what's about a 200% you know increase in just under two years. So it's very true. You know, high energy prices, they, that filters into everything else. Uh, I mean, you've probably seen these pictures and videos, you know, like different parts of the country. Walmarts are putting those security locks on their meat, right, at different stores because, you know, it's, you know, $12 or whatever for a steak. Yep, no, no doubt about it. I mean, along with the geopolitical risks, it affects other risks that we mentioned before. Right, like interest rate risks and market risks and inflation risks and individual company risk. Uh, But we need to remember that not all companies, industries, and market sectors are affected equally. Yeah. Some are hurt and some benefit, right? I mean, just take a look at the stock price of uh, Chevron. Is it approaching um, you know highs over the past several years? So what we can't do is react to the news and the events of the day emotionally. We always need to remember to stay disciplined and follow the rules of investing. Like uh, number one, don't time the market. Number two, don't go on recent track records. And three. Uh, don't pick individual stocks or things like gold or Bitcoin or anything that's speculative. As we say all the time, Mark, the news is very unpredictable. I mean, just look at the events we're facing now since last time we spoke and had a, a podcast. Who predicted this a month ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing. I mean, who predicted, you know, COVID, you know, two years ago, right? Or two and a half years ago. So it comes back to that diversification conversation, because it sounds like what you're saying is if you're prone to timing the markets and concentrating on a handful of specific things, commodities or whatever, Bitcoin, some of the things you mentioned, uh, you're going to be more worried and you have the tendency or the possibility, I suppose, of making bigger mistakes versus spreading out and having that true diversification. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and keep in mind, if you're prone to speculate, you really need to be uh, right twice. Once when you sell yeah. and also when you buy. And right? you can ask my wife, I'm never right. Once, yeah. let alone twice, right? So <laughs> That from a man who's been married a long time. That's right. Right. And so have I. And, and if you think you can hide uh, from the market, right, and just uh, you know, put all the money in cash, paying zero interest. You know, keep in mind, inflation's running at seven percent per year. Yeah. Uh, so you're losing money right from the get-go. No doubt, the situation right now is very volatile, right? So ultimately, what Russia wants is no NATO involvement for Ukraine. They want land back, 
and they want oil and resources. And the solution is really, at least temporarily, if you want to call it a solution or a truce, it's likely to revolve around those three issues. Well, and we're going to continue to see some choppy water. So as always, uh, that's when people start to get a little more nervous. They start to make some moves or some things. And if you're unsure about the moves you should make, if any, you should always check with a qualified professional before you take any action. So as we close out the podcast, if you are feeling concerned, if you are feeling frustrated, or you're just not sure if things are where you need them to be or whatever the case might be, check with a qualified professional like Don. He is a CPA and a CFP at Donald W. Cash and Associates. Give him a call at 800-664-1183. Go through that complimentary consultation and conversation about it. Have a little strategy session. 800-664-1183 is how you can reach out to him. Or you can stop by the website, donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platforming app you like to use. Your Money and Your Life is the name of it. You can find the links to everything on Don's website. We also have the podcasting website, which is doncashpodcast.com. Com. My friend, thanks for hanging out, sharing some history with me, talking about this stuff, because clearly people are definitely, you know, they're worried. They're starting to worry, and each day you can kind of feel it growing. No doubt, and uh, looking forward to talking again, and I'm sure between now and then, the news will change. It'll be unpredictable, that's for sure. Have a safe trip. We'll be uh, look forward to seeing what you've learned on your uh, continuing education, and hope you have a great time. We'll see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.